Player Profiler Posse, welcome back to another episode of First Mover. We are through a third of the NFL season. My, how fast it has gone. But one big thing that we've noticed from this season is scoring is down. We are under 2.3 touchdowns per team per game in the 2023 season. Look at back just a short while ago at the 2020 season, the COVID year, that number was up at 2.88 touchdowns per team per game. So we are over half a touchdown per team per game down in scoring from just three short years ago. And that is going to be extremely prevalent to this slate for week seven that we're going to talk about here shortly. So with that, I am Hilo, and this is First Mover. So I just alluded to the fact that scoring is down around the league. And when we look at the state of this week seven slate, that should become readily apparent. Look at these game totals. Washington Commanders, New York Jets, 39 and a half. Las Vegas Raiders, Chicago Bears, 37 and a half. Atlanta Falcons, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 38.0. Cleveland Browns, Indianapolis Colts, 39.0. Detroit Lions, Baltimore Ravens, two solid defenses, 42.0. Buffalo Bills, New England Patriots, 41.5. Come on, man. Give me some here. Pittsburgh Steelers, Los Angeles Rams, 43.5. Arizona Cardinals, Seattle Seahawks, 44.5. Stop me when you see something fun. Green Bay Packers, Denver Broncos. This is an interesting one, 44.5. And then... The game of the week that everyone and their grandmother is going to want to play. The Los Angeles Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs at 49.0. Also, look at the game spreads. Most of them are tight games. Most of them are tight games with low game totals, but most of them are tight games. The only outlier here is the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. The Patriots might not score any points. Uh, yeah, they have been bad. but. That does not change the fact that this slate might appear to some as an extremely ugly slate. And that word is thrown around to describe slates uh, probably over the last year and a half or so. But slates are not ugly or beautiful. Slates all present different challenges for us to figure out, different puzzles for us to piece together. So let's see if we can piece together something, something here, shall we? So we'll start at the top. Looking at this Chargers and Kansas City Chiefs game, we know people are going to be interested. It's a late game. And oh, by the way, two of the most interesting game environments for us to attack on this slate are in the late portion of the slate. So that gives us some interesting dynamics. And we'll talk about these three teams first, the Packers, the Chargers, and the Chiefs, because I think that a lot of the interest from the slate is going to revolve around these three teams. Why the Packers? Well, we have a team that has largely underperformed. They have a solid defense, but their opponent is the Denver Broncos, a historically bad defense. And we're talking historic levels of badness in this defense. So that is interesting for the fact that we get Christian Watson back from injury. And he is priced at only 5600 So I can assume, or we should assume, that he is going to be fairly popular on this slate. And if he's not, 
Uh, he will be from my portfolio. We'll just leave it at that. Christian Watson is a guy who is not ever going to see extreme volume. And that is a fact, a function of this Green Bay Packers offense, how they want to run. They are a slow paced team. They are looking to grind out wins. Um, but Christian Watson is the piece that they are going to use downfield. And he has a very, very robust red zone role. We saw it in his first full allotments of snaps back, back from injury um, last week. And uh, he got no less than three downfield shots, caught only one of them. One off his hands could have corralled it in, and one was uh, basically out of reach uh, or overthrown. So the fact that he is still seeing these downfield looks gives him a solid ceiling at a price of only 5600 and that is hard to overlook here. But beyond that, I mean, we should also be getting a healthier Aaron Jones back from injury. Um, he's had that issue uh, with his hamstring. This is a team that's coming off of their bye week. Um, and typically, teams coming off of their bye weeks are interesting ones to attack in DFS because they've had two full weeks. Think about the Packers having two full weeks to game plan for the Denver Broncos. That is somewhat mouthwatering, right? So we'll save the rest of the discussion about the Packers and talk about the meat and potatoes here with the Chargers and the Chiefs. The Chargers are an interesting team to dissect because we have seen them play most of this season without Austin Eckler, came back to play on Monday night football, didn't necessarily have an outstanding or stellar game, uh, but the, ro the role was still there. They also have a weird mix of pass catchers in the absence of Mike Williams. We know that Joshua Palmer is still operating in that, um, that Z-type wide receiver role for this offense because hashtag never Quentin Johnston. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's another story for another day. We'll save that discussion for another day. Um, but we also have Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler, really, who are the primary two pieces for which we can expect them to try and move the ball against a Steve Spagnuolo defense who, is, who plays off coverage, and they kind of like to have their, their safeties deep. They play cover two, they play cover three from there, but they like to have their safeties off. They like to have their safeties deep with their uh, focus in the backfield. And what that typically means is they're going to limit downfield passing. So a guy like Joshua Palmer becomes far less appealing. Um, he did see a quick out uh, on the team's first possession of the game on Monday Night Football um, that he took for a 27-yard touchdown that was called back. But the most, the majority of his work is of the intermediate to deep variety. So a wide receiver with an archetype like that loses a bit of luster against an opponent whose defensive scheme really is to play off and allow things to develop in front of them and not get beat deep. They want to limit the splash plays against Steve Spagnuolo is very good at dialing up unique blitz packages from that. But the, the point here is we should expect a vast majority of the chargers offense to run through Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen, who are both set up. Well, they have the veteran presence, the savvy to find the holes in zone coverage they're both set up well to exploit this matchup, and I would expect Kellen Moore to design his offense to kind of maximize and feature those two players. That is not going to go overlooked in on this slate. 
But what might go overlooked is the fact that both of these players are priced at the exact same price at 8,600. So that gives us a relatively either or decision when we're constructing rosters. And I think that's kind of the approach that the field is likely to take here as well. This kind of either or mentality between Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen. Can we play both? Can we play neither? I think both of those options are on the table here. When we look at the Chiefs, the Chiefs are Travis Kelsey and everybody else. And we continue to talk about this, this offense and the fact that they are still trying to figure out kind of their identity and what they want to be um, in this for the rest of the season. Clearly a team with Super Bowl aspirations. They're sitting at a nice comfy 5-1 and one record. We know that their goal ultimately is to reach the Super Bowl and try and win there. So with that known, we start to get the sense that they are not at their end game state just yet. They are working their way to get there. But when we particularly look at their pass catching core, we see snap rates. I mean, look at the last game that they played in week six. The leader of snap rates amongst their wide receiver was Marquez Valdez Scantling at only 56% of the offensive snaps. They played Marquez Valdez Scantling 56%, Sky Moore 52%. Justin Watson, who is now mixing in on that perimeter role with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 39%. Rasheed Rice, 49%. Kadarius Toney, 42%. Justin Ross even saw 14%. We saw Travis Kelsey in a sub-for-him role. Is this due to his injury to start the year? Is this due to his uh, aging knees? We don't know. Uh, but Travis Kelsey has seen a maximum of a 79% snap rate this year. He was at 69% in week six. So this is very clearly an offense that is still trying to figure things out. In the backfield, we also know that Jarek McKinnon is has been held, he's been between 33% snap rate and 27% snap rate in every single game this season. What that has typically meant is snaps around 20 per game. Isaiah Pacheco is very clearly the lead runner here, but he is a guy that we can never really count on for more than 18 to 20 running back opportunities. He did see six targets last game against Denver Broncos. How did, this, how did the Chiefs freaking put up only 19 points against the Denver Broncos? Oh man, that was brutal. Watching that game also, just a quick nod to this, this Kansas City offense. The Chiefs are very clearly not at their end game state. Watching that game and watching them be one of the more boring offenses that we've seen this season. Anyway, we digress. But Isaiah Pacheco, we look at his attempts. Over the last four weeks, 15 carries, 20 carries, 16 carries, 16 carries. So that tight range gives us a very good idea of where we expect his workload to be. And like I said, we can never really expect him for more than 18 to 22 running back opportunities. But in this matchup, this could be one of the rare cases where Isaiah Pacheco has fantasy utility because we look at his, I mean, look at his fantasy output, single digit, single digit, 15.8, 13.4, 15.8. But we get this one spike week. And this is what we're looking for, for a guy like Isaiah Pacheco, who Normally, he's not going to see enough pass game utilization to really offset the requirement 
for 100 yards and two scores. That's kind of the magic formula for running backs in today's NFL outside of guys like CMC, uh, Austin Eckler, Bijan Robinson, potentially uh, Saquon Barkley, potentially these guys that provide enough through the air to offset the need for one of those touchdowns. Because once a game kicks off, we are far less concerned about salary. We don't care about salary multipliers. The only thing that matters is raw points. And the magic formula to get a GPP viable score, when we look at Isaiah Pacheco here, is 100 yards rushing, check against the New York Jets, two touchdowns, he had one, or 100 yards plus one touchdown and enough receiving utilization to offset the need for one of those scores. Look at his game here. He got there because he had three catches for 43 yards, and that is 7.3 fantasy points, which offsets the need for one of those rushing scores. Pretty much anybody from any price range in GPP play, we need the ability to score 25 to 30 fantasy points for a fair portion of their range of outcomes in a particular matchup. So I say that because Isaiah Pacheco is a guy that we are not normally targeting because he typically does not have the volume to put up that type of score. But in this spot, against the Chargers, he very well could. So he's a guy, interesting guy to keep on your radar this week. We know the Chargers have struggled to uh, against opposing power run offenses, of which Isaiah Pacheco and this Kansas City Chiefs team is. So that's an interesting thing to keep in mind here. We also had Der uh, Derwin James come up with an injury um, on Monday Night Football. So there are some interesting things to think about with Pacheco. But when you look at their pass catchers and particularly their wide receivers, how are we considering these guys under that assumption and that discussion that we just had of what do we need out of our players once the first kick? We're not worried about salary anymore. We need everybody on our roster to have the ability to score 25 to 30 plus fantasy points. Do any of these guys have that upside? Rasheed Rice playing 42% of the offensive snaps. Kadarius Tony in the 40s. Stop me when we have some upside here. Sky Moore, not really. So this, although this game carries some interesting upside, it's very clearly the highest game total of the week. Um, it obviously has two offenses that can put up points in a hurry. But when we're talking about DFS, it becomes very, very difficult to target this team in its current state. It is basically... Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Isaiah Pacheco. That's really all we have from a fantasy upside perspective. When we look at Travis Kelsey, Derwin James, this injury could be very key to this particular matchup because Derwin James is the guy that they have typically used on Travis Kelsey when these teams have played, and they play twice a year, uh, divisional opponents. So that is something that is noteworthy for sure. But you look at Travis Kelsey, we just talked about the fact that his snap rate is down. We talked about the fact that he is seeing typically between 65 ish to 70% snap rate uh, scratch. that. He has one game over 69% snap rate. And that came in week four at 79%. So yes, we know a large portion of this offense is going to run through Travis Kelsey, but does he bring enough to the table on that? 
lower snap rate to justify an $8,000 salary price tag. Open for debate. But I know this much. Travis Kelsey is highly unlikely in his current role to pierce 100 yards receiving. He did so against Denver in week six. That was the first time all season where he has pierced 100 yards receiving because his A dot is down. Again, is that due to his age, 33-year-old tight end? Is that due to the fact that he came into the season with an injury? We don't know. But this is notable nonetheless. Travis Kelsey is always going to garner ownership. He's So that's always going to keep his price uh, or his salary high. And because the fact that he is highly unlikely to pierce 100 yards receiving, we should, that means if he is going to become a viable piece or a piece that you had to have in order to win, he is likely going to need multiple touchdowns. So theoretically, if we're playing Travis Kelsey, I would say we almost must pair him with his quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. The other side of that story is because Travis Kelsey is highly unlikely to pierce 100 yards receiving. And if we must play Patrick Mahomes when we're playing Travis Kelsey, who is responsible for the rest of the yardage that is getting Patrick Mahomes to a usable score? Because we know we need at least 300 yards passing three plus, maybe four plus touchdowns from Patrick Mahomes at his price to be viable. So how do we how do we play this offense from a theoretical perspective if they're in the highest game total, but none of these pieces are particularly appetizing to play? This is something that the field is highly unlikely to go to. What this would require is a game environment that develops into a shootout and Isaiah Pacheco is catching a receiving touchdown. This is how this game environment or playing this side of this game environment could succeed. So something like building or, and I'm, I'm anchoring on this game environment for a very specific reason, because this is the top game environment on the week. Uh, so I want to make sure that we're thinking about like how to maximize our expected value from this spot, knowing that we might not need this spot to begin with, but if we're playing this spot, how can we play it and maximize our expected value? This is a very interesting way to play this game. Obviously, it requires some significant savings elsewhere. Likely going to need a pay down defense. We're likely going to need some value open up at the running back position to make this work. But if this game environment takes off, if the Chargers fight back, it's likely to come like we talked about earlier through either Keenan Allen or Austin Eckler. And if the Chiefs, who are currently instilled as five and a half point favorites, if they are the driving force behind this game environment erupting, it is likeliest to come through Patrick Mahomes, Isaiah Pacheco, and Travis Kelsey. And the rebuttal to that is likeliest to come through Keenan Allen and or Austin Eckler. So this game stack, and people don't like pairing a non-pass catching running back. And yes, like Pacheco had six targets last game, but he is typically in the two to four target range. So not normally known or thought of as this pass catching weapon. But if the Chiefs are succeeding, that means they're scoring points. And this combination of three players, Patrick Mahomes, Isaiah Pacheco, and Travis Kelsey, 
is the likeliest paths for that production to flow through. So gathering all the upside from the entire offense onto one roster, bringing it back with the highest upside piece on the other side and Keenan Allen is a very interesting starting point for rosters. And again, the caveat is that we need some value to make this work because that is a lot of salary sunk into the primary pieces from this spot. Yes, you can try and guess. Well, let's, let's throw it up on the screen here. You can try and guess who the pass catcher is going to be out of this list. Is it going to be Rasheed Rice? Is it Kadarius Tony who finds the end zone twice? Potentially, that is a viable way to go with the assumption or the understanding that we know that one of these wide receivers would need multiple touchdowns likely in order to return a GPP ceiling on this slate. So that's an interesting discussion, uh, how to kind of approach the top game environment from a theoretical lens, how to look at things, um, take into consideration the likeliest scenario, but then think about that likeliest scenario through the lens of how do I approach this spot in a way that the field is highly unlikely to do on a very, very, again, I don't want to use the word ugly, um, but a slate where scoring is expected to be low. So on a slate where scoring is expected to be low, we're kind of forced away from this game environment discussion because the game environments on the slate are that much more unlikely to erupt for a game where you had to have it. So that brings our focus from a theoretical perspective away from game environments, all outside of the one that we just touched on in the Chargers and the Chiefs, and towards attacking teams. Are there any teams that can succeed on this slate, put up a score, uh, and it helps to have a highly condensed and concentrated offense? Where I immediately look when I'm looking at that discussion is another one of these kind of unsung hero type offenses, and that is the Los Angeles Rams. What do we have? We have a defense that is going to play elevated rates of cover two. They mix in some Tampa two concepts uh, with Mike Tomlin's defense in Pittsburgh. And that has led to them giving up high completion rate against uh, and the communication errors that we've seen from the Pittsburgh defense um, have led to this team giving up some splash plays as well, because when you're running this cover two concept defense with Tampa two mixed in, that requires a high level of communication. And when you get early in the season, a very intricate defense that requires a lot of communication, you're going to see some communication lapses and you're going to see these chunk plays against. We have a Los Angeles Rams team that is going to be without their, well, highly likely to be without their top two running backs. So they have Zach Evans, who is stepping into the potential to be the workhorse type running back in this offense. So if I'm Sean McVay against a Pittsburgh Steelers team that their strength of their defense is their defensive line, am I going to try and combat that with rushing heavy rush rates with my third string running back? Or am I going to try and dial up quick, efficient passing attempted or within, I guess, attempting to move the football down the field? think it's going to be the latter. So when we look at who performs against zone coverages in this offense, it is obviously Cooper Cup, but it is also Puka Nakua. 
Puka Nakua has a 32% targets per route run rate against zone coverages this season, and he has maintained a 32% overall team target market share with Cooper Cup in the offense. Those came against the high zone rates of the Arizona defense and the Philadelphia defense. So that is noteworthy for sure, because Cooper Cup, we know, is going to be the primary target in this offense. 12 targets his first game back, nine targets his second game back. And let's look at this real quick. Those came on just 37 pass attempts. So he saw 12 targets on 37 pass attempts, and he saw nine targets on 24 pass attempts against Arizona. What we've seen from Sean McVay is that in these game environments where his team is able to control them, he is plenty fine dialing back the pass volume in his offense. But is his team likely to completely be able to control the game environment with their third string running back? That is where the uncertainty is kind of introduced to this game environment. Now, Matthew Stafford is not going to have 55 pass attempts in this game. The Pittsburgh Steelers are not the team to go score points in a hurry. They're, they want to grind out a game. So we can expect probably below average total offensive plays run from scrimmage in this spot. But we can expect high concentration of that work through Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. So we just talked about Cooper Cup seeing nine targets on the low pass volume in week five, uh, six. Puka Nakua saw seven targets, respectable. Uh, but here is the big issue. Only put up 26 yards on four receptions. But these are the two places where this offense is going to primarily run through against a high zone rate coverage team that also has an, an aggressive pass rush that is able to win without blitzing. So I should expect, or we should expect, um, or I do expect, we should say, uh, this team to kind of adapt a more focus on the short area passing against this Pittsburgh defense. That is primarily primarily going to run through Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. Now, something that is highly unlikely to be utilized is something like this. Trying to capture all the scoring from this offense, because again, they have a third string running back. And this will... Let's not just completely glance over Zach Evans. I think he needs to be mentioned. Um, if simply for uh, the fact that this Pittsburgh Steelers defense is giving up 143.8 yards per game, uh, which is 29th in the league. So if Zach Evans is going to see the bulk of the running back utilization from Los Angeles Rams, he could become one of those salary savers that we were talking about needing if attacking the Kansas City Chiefs and Los Angeles Chargers game environment. So let's not completely just glance over him, but another avenue of attack from this game environment from a team that we should expect to score some points this week is trying to capture all of the passing volume from this spot. Matthew Stafford has thrown for over 300 yards in half of his games this season. He is already at 1677 passing yards through six games. So he's averaging almost 300 yards of passing per game. What has been a limiting factor here is he's only tossed six touchdowns in six games. So what if, and again, 
What if without Kyron Williams, who has scored five touchdowns already this season, uh, sorry, six touchdowns already this season, what if him being out of the lineup forces this team to be more pass heavy in the red zone? And what if Matthew Stafford, who is already hovering around 300 yards passing per game, finally sees some positive touchdown regression? And then what if against these heavy zone rates, those touchdowns flow through these two players. So now we have the opportunity to capture 300 yards passing, three-plus touchdowns from Matthew Stafford through primarily these two guys. And that is a high upside spot, something that we can look to utilize on a slate like this that is more or less ugly, and we don't really have too much maneuverability uh, or too, too many options um, from which to attack. So let me show you also the other side of that discussion that we just talked about. Um, something that looks like this from a shell. So Zach Evans fits very well with that discussion of, hey, what if they continue? What if the Rams continue uh, with elevated red zone rush rates? What if Zach Evans finds his way into two touchdowns? Kyron Williams has three two touchdown games already this season. So what if Zach Evans kind of steps into that role and they don't alter how they're going to attack. Another interesting piece for that discussion of the Kansas City and Chargers uh, game stack. So looking at the rest of this slate, are there really any other spots that we're looking that looking for, looking towards that have a ton of upside? This one, we got to do it, guys. We got to do it. We have a Washington Commanders defense that plays elevated rates of man coverage, and their first-round rookie cornerback is absolutely getting demolished on the perimeter this year. Now, this is an interesting discussion because we finally saw this Giants defense or offense. We finally saw this Giants offense look to attack downfield, and it came with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback in week six. So if they are now going to be able, and some of those Tyrod Taylor throws to Darius Slayton, a guy we're going to mention here shortly, some of those Tyrod Taylor throws to Darius Slayton were absolute dimes, dropped him in the breadbasket between two defenders and Darius Slayton won on the perimeter. And that is something that we have not seen from this offense with Daniel Jones at quarterback. So now with a glaring shortcomings of the perimeter cornerbacks in Washington. If Daniel Jones needs another week with that next stinger, Tyrod Taylor, and well, we'll preface this discussion. Let's get him out of this lineup. We'll preface this discussion with, we're not playing Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> we're not going to play him. But one of the wide receivers that becomes very interesting is a guy like Darius Slayton. We saw him have six targets, four catches, 69 yards a week ago with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback. What if, again, we're using a lot of what ifs because we kind of need to embrace a little bit of uncertainty on this slate. What if Darius Slayton sees another four downfield looks? What if he catches three of them? And we saw him have a 31-yard reception. We saw him have a 27-yard reception. What if he's stringing three of those together? And what if he's able to find the end zone? on one of them. We talked about the need to hit 25 to 30 fantasy points. What would that look like from a wide receiver 
downfield role, Darius Slayton type, five or six catches, five or six fantasy points, 100 yards, which would be 13 fantasy points. So now we're at 18 to 19 fantasy points and a touchdown, 24 to 25 fantasy points. So can Darius Slayton in this matchup with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, we're hoping, I honestly, I hope Tyrod Taylor starts this week because that unlocks some of this downfield work that we need. Can Darius Slayton on a price of only 3,700 put up 25 fantasy points? And I say, yes, it's going to require five to six catches for hundred yards and a score. But if Tyrod Taylor is at quarterback, I think that is well within his reach. The other interesting, yes, Wondell Robinson is probably going to see the most targets. He's seen five to eight targets in every game this year, but his ADOT is extremely low. So that lowers the chances of him stringing together 25 to 30 fantasy points that we're talking about here. The other guy is none other than rookie wide receiver Jalen Hyatt. Now, Jalen Hyatt saw a career high, so a season high snap rate. Um, and route participation rate in week six. His snap rate was 73% compared to 87% for Darius Slayton. But when we look at the overall composition of this offense, we did not see the five, six man rotation at wide receiver that we saw over the first five weeks of the season with Brian Dable's offense. They started the season utilizing Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins, Jalen Hyatt, Wondell Robinson, Paris Campbell, Sterling Shepard, like the list goes on and on. But in week six, we saw finally a condensed player pool as far as snap rates go. Paris Campbell played zero offensive snaps. Sterling Shepard played one offensive snap. Isaiah Hodgins played 23% of the offensive snaps. That left Darius Slayton 87%, Jalen Hyatt 73%, and 80% of the, he was in a route for 80% of the pass plays. So that is a good number that we want to see on the up and up, and it is. And Wondell Robinson in the standard for him slot roll gadget type role of 60%. Darren Waller playing his standard near every down role at tight end. And then they like to utilize 12 personnel at an increased rate. So Daniel Bellinger saw 53%. But now that we're not seeing five or six wide receivers playing between 60 to 50 to 60% of the offensive snaps, like we were to start the season here. This offense is now down to showing us what they want to be at the end of the year. And that's highly likely to be Darius Slayton and Jalen Hyatt on the perimeter with Wandale Robinson in the slot and that gadget motion man role. So Jalen Hyatt is also a very interesting player if he's going to be that involved in the offense. He is priced at the bare minimum at 3K. Does he offer a path to 25 fantasy points? Well, if we look at if we look at his A dot. Sorry, I'm trying to pull it up here. I should have had this prepped earlier. But if we look at his A dot, his A dot is currently 19.8. <laughs> he only has nine targets, so he doesn't qualify yet, but that would rank first in the league as in deepest average depth of target in the league. 19.8. So it does Jalen Hyatt, who has the deepest average depth of target in the league, should he qualify, have that same upside for 25 to 30 fantasy points. Again, because we saw him in a route at 80% frequency, 
in week six because of all that discussion about this offense, because of the matchup, uh, this commander's team getting burned deep, primarily to Forbes, but they're getting burned deep on the perimeter. Does he, can he string together four catches for 120 yards and a touchdown, which would be 25 fantasy points? I think so in this spot. So he's a guy on a slate where we're hurting for value. We are looking for hidden upside because there's not a lot of teams that are in a good environment to harbor upside. He is a guy that is very, very interesting as well, along the same discussion of Darius Slayton. Now, last two weeks, I have transi transitioned my own play to MME play. And when I think about how to manage a portfolio of rosters away from single entry and three max, now thinking about how to manage a portfolio of rosters, this is a spot where I am willing, because the slate lacks upside, because we know the matchup is good, if Tyrod Taylor is at quarterback, this is a spot where I am willing to allocate one of Darius Slayton or Jalen Hyatt to something like 40 to 60% of my rosters in play. It opens up a lot. They very clearly have the upside in their profile to put up 25 plus fantasy points. And it's in a slate that we're going to be dying to get that type of production. So that's the overall macro of this slate. We've talked about the top overall game environment in the Chargers and the Chiefs. We talked about some places where we can be hunting for some untapped or hidden upside, uh, but that is currently what I'm seeing looking at pricing for the first time. Again, I don't look at pricing uh, for the following slate until I am with y'all on this show. So you're getting my first reaction. You're getting the peek behind the curtain uh, for the first time for the upcoming slate. So with that, we got to get in here a quick promo because I forgot about it until now. So that's on me. But real quick, we're going to go check out the DFS Dominator Pro again here shortly. DFS getting harder every year, but we're here to make it easier with the DFS Dominator because I know a lot of optimizers keep coming out. Oh, our optimizer. What about this optimizer? But that optimizer. Well, we have a cash game optimizer that leverages the projections from Dario, Billy, the award-winning projections at playerprofiler.com and builds the best lineups for cash games that have both upside and stability because that's what you want. It's a couple clicks, boom, boom, boom. You get the best possible lineup for your cash games. But for tournaments, traditional optimizers don't work. That's why we have a lineup genius, which takes you through the process of building lineups the way they should be built. Which quarterbacks do you want to be overweight on? Then building stacks, then setting runbacks, then optimizing, and generating up to 150 lineups that you can easily import into DraftKings, into FanDuel. That's the DFS Dominator. It's only $45. A year, not not a week, a, a year, a year. Just go to Player Profiler, click on the DFS Dominator from the menu, and you won't be sorry. Welcome back, y'all. That's my fault. Totally spaced on getting that ad read in there. But if you've been with us this long and you're interested to hear more about this theoretical approach to playing DFS, head on over to oneweekseason.com, utilize promo code HILO, H-I-L-O-W. That'll get you 20% off of anything that we have to offer, whether that's the inner circle, 
membership, which gets you the late week goodies, whether that's the props package, we do it all. So head on over to oneweekseason.com, utilize promo code HILO, that'll get you 20% off of anything around the site, uh, because we cover heavy uh, emphasis on this theoretical, analytical, and conceptual discussion um, and approach to DFS play. So with that, you know where to find me. Head on over to Twitter. Hit me up at HiloFF. Ask some questions. I'll get them onto the show. That'd be a great time. With that, player profiler posse. Player profiler posse. We will see you next time. This was First Mover. I am Hilo. I am out. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all of this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.